Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode of Living Loud Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's Friday. Uh, we may have been rolling downhill towards the weekend, but a bunch of us have been in the weekend since Wednesday, so it's a long weekend. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you had an incredible day of thanks yesterday. Uh, we had a great time with family on Wednesday night, and Ron and I just kind of uh, enjoyed our peaceful quietness yesterday, and uh, today we've been assembling some more of her uh, purchases. <laughs> so we put together a coffee bar today, and uh, so we've we've enjoyed our company just being here, kind of lounging around, taking it easy, uh, trying to rest this body of mine that's a little beat up right now. One of the things that came in conversation, um, I, I ministered last Sunday at our local church uh, in the absence of our pastor who was away with a with a family emergency and. Uh, you know, she asked me because last Sunday was our, our our Thanksgiving feast there at our church. So we were going to eat dinner afterwards and there was going to be food and turkey and all that good stuff. A Thanksgiving style meal last Sunday. And I and I thought, well, I, I, you know, I've never really been good at themed uh, sermons. I, you know, I, I don't really necessarily have ever done a Father's Day sermon and a Mother's Day sermon, that kind of thing. So I gave a message that I preached last Sunday that, that some of you may have already heard, but she mentioned a message that would be a really good Thanksgiving message. And, and after just listening to her expound on this, I, of course, I told her, I said, you should preach this. Um, she, she doesn't, she doesn't really want to do, she's done this in the past. She is, she is a great orator of God's word, um, I enjoy our time that we get to share together, that iron sharpening iron uh, that we do constantly as we uh, talk about the, the Word of God and the messages that He gives us. But she brought up the subject of Jonathan and David, uh, how they had become such good friends and, and throughout some history, how, John, how, how David was able to, to kind of give back into Jonathan's lineage um, a blessing. And so in, in the process, I began, again, putting this message together. Actually, yesterday, I began writing it and, and studying out some word, and, and I visited with her on and off about it. I tried to get her to join me on this, and she just, she, she heard that microphone. She's just a little skeptical of steel. But I would love to hear her commentary with me on this, especially as she kind of put the spur in this one. So uh, she wouldn't join me just yet, but you may get to hear from her soon. I know some of you have got to hear from her before, but she actually put the title on this when we began and finished our conversation about this subject yesterday as I was putting my notes together. She made the comment about how it reflects on the goodness of God. And I thought that's the title. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the goodness of of God, so we're going to take that, and I'm gonna. I want you to travel with me uh, back into First Samuel. So we're going to go to First Samuel. We're going to start with, with chapter 16, but this is the story of David and how David and Jonathan uh, became good friends, and and how this all ends. We'll we'll see here in a little bit, but in First Samuel 16, we find the story of David that most of us are familiar with. The story of where Samuel, the prophet of God, is sent to the house of Jesse by the Lord to anoint the next king. Now, we know the story. Jesse has several sons, and he parades all of his strapping, fine-built young men past the prophet, but the prophet selects none of them. 
And in a little bit of a disappointment, he asks, are there any others? Well, Jesse was like, well, yeah, there's David, you know, just David. He's the youngest one. He's out tending sheep. So when David had been summoned and he comes before Samuel, Samuel says he's the one and he is anointed to be the next king of Israel. Now that's, David's just a boy here. He's just a young man. So we're going to run down the road just a little bit as the nation of Israel goes to war against the Philistines in chapter 17. And we tune into the part, again, very familiar story, where they bring out their big gun, Goliath, right? And we, again, following along with history, we understand this story. We've heard it spoken of many times, I'm sure. The story is where David travels to take some goodies to his older brothers who are serving in Saul's army. Now, he gets there to find this big-mouthed mammoth mocking God and God's people, and no one willing to stand up and shut him up. So again, there's a lot of story in here I'm leaving out. Most of us understand this. Uh, he goes, so David goes out against the Philistine, and the only thing he takes is his slingshot and a pocket full of rocks. And his, his first rock takes Goliath down. He uses Goliath's own sword, and he cuts off his head. So, and again, the story goes on where they defeat the Philistines. So now King Saul is like, who is this kid? So Abner, keep in mind this name, Abner, the captain of Saul's army, summons David, who shows up carrying this giant's head. And Saul's like, uh, dude, who are you? So David simply tells him, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse. Now, as we move along, there's a lot of ground here, so I'm, I'm just kind of highlighting some of this. As we move along, chapter 18, we start to build this story between David and Jonathan. This is where I want to get to. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, it says this, When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was, bound, was bonded to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took David that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the outer robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he acted wisely, and he prospered, and Saul appointed him over the men of war. David became a great warrior, and it pleased all the people and also Saul's servants. Now, again, as we move through this chapter 18, we begin to see where David starts making a name for himself as a warrior, and, and he's a leader. But Saul, King Saul, begins to become a little jealous of his heroism with the people of this nation. And as we continue reading, we see a pattern developing, and Saul turns on David. So in the, towards the end or middle part of chapter 18, 1 Samuel 18, verse 10 through 12, it says, Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul, and he raved madly inside his house, while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual, and there was a spear in Saul's hand. So Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him. He evaded him twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Very important to understand 
that the, the, the spirit of God that once was on Saul that made Saul a great king has now departed him. Saul's made some mistakes. He's uh, he's he's handled himself improperly with the power of God, and that that power is now resting on David as it's departed from Saul. Now, as we get to the beginnings of, of Samuel chapter nineteen, Saul's son Jonathan begins to try to protect David and help him on his journey. David continues as a warrior; he's winning battles through God's power, uh, but but there's still a lot of turmoil between him and Saul. Now, in chapter twenty. David and Jonathan draw very, very close, and there's actually a covenant that comes between them in chapter 20 in the latter part. So look at chapter First uh, Samuel chapter 20. This is right at the beginning, first verses 1 through 4. It said, David fr- fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? What is my sin before or against your father that he is seeking my life? And Jonathan said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. My father does nothing important or insignificant without telling me. So why would he hide this thing from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your sight. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, or he will be worried. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. Now we're going to jump forward to verse 14 of First Samuel 20 and look at verses 14 through 17, where it says, if I'm still alive, will you not show me the loving kindness and faithfulness of the Lord so that I will not die? You shall never cut off your loving kindness and faithfulness from my house. Not even when the Lord cuts off everyone of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, and he added, May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemy, that it is hold them accountable for any harm they inflict on David. And Jonathan made a uh, made David a vow against uh, uh, Jonathan made David a vow again because of his love for him, for Jonathan loved him as himself. Now, the problem was that King Saul's figuring out that his own son's helping David, uh, and and he's helping David avoid these king's attempts at killing him. So again, here at the end of of, uh, chapter 20, verse 30 through 33, we see, Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a wayward, rebellious woman. (laughs) I guess that's a good way of cussing back in the day. Saul's anger burned against his own son, and he said to him, You son of a wayward, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse over me to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you as heir to the throne nor your kingdom will be established. So now send someone and bring him to me, for he must die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why must he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at him. To strike him down. So Jonathan knew without any doubt that his father had decided to put David to death. Now, you know, notice what he's saying here. You know, he's telling Jonathan, his own son, listen, dude, you won't inherit this kingdom as long as David's alive. Your kingdom's not going to be established. So he's using that some, some leverage in there, trying to get Jonathan to turn on David. So after this, Jonathan goes to David and he warns him that he must flee in order to survive. So at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 20, 
Verse 42 is the, is really important here. It says, Jonathan told David, go in safety, inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between our descendants and yours forever. Then he stood and left while Jonathan went into the city. So now they've had this bond that's developed between them and this vow that they've committed to each other here that says the Lord shall be between me and you and between my descendants and yours forever. Now there's a pile of history in the next few chapters. Uh, so we're going to kind of take a leap here. We're going to jump forward from 1 Samuel 20 and we're going to jump all the way to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now I'd encourage you, if this story interests you, read the whole thing. There is so much history involved in this. But we're going to jump to 2 Samuel chapter 1. David learns of Saul's death along with his sons, including Jonathan, whom he loved dearly. And again, so, so much happening through these chapters as David's story continues to unfold. Uh, David's made king over Judah in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, and in chapter 3, David's family grows as he has sons born to him. And Abner, remember Abner, the, the captain of Saul's army, joins David after much turmoil over Saul's house ruling Israel. And then in the process of all this, Abner is murdered, and David has to mourn his death as well. So then we get to 2 Samuel chapter 4, reveals more turmoil as Saul's son, who had become king, he's killed. And much more unveiled as chapter 5 begins, we read how David now becomes king over Israel. So again, there is a pile of stuff happening in these chapters. Chapter 6 records the story of David moving the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And much happening along that journey. Again, most of us are familiar with that story. Chapter 7, David begins the plans to rebuild the temple of God. And he makes a covenant with King David. God makes a covenant with King David. And the infamous prayer of David is recorded. And then chapter 8 records much more of David's triumphs in battle. Now, after all of this we have just discussed, we get to the part I wanted to get to from the start. I needed you to grasp the significance of the history in order to grasp the, the goodness and the power of God's goodness in this story. So we're going to fast forward now to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 13. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house, the family of Saul, to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, I, I, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there no longer anyone left of the house of the family of Saul to whom I may show the goodness and graciousness of God? I love how it states that. David just wants to, to repay here. He just wants to show the goodness of God. Ziba replied to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, one whose feet are crippled, so the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba replied to the king, He is in the house of uh, Micur, Micur, I don't know who that is, the son of Emil uh, in Lodabar. So King David sent word and had him brought from the house of Micur to the son of Emil from Lodabar. And his name is <laughs> Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David and fell face down and lay himself down in respect to David. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will certainly show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you 
all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall always eat at my table. Again, Mephibosheth uh, lay himself face down and said, what is your servant that you would be concerned? I love how he says this. What is your servant that you would be concerned for a dead dog like me? So Mephibosheth thinks nothing of himself. He, he, he probably has been told he has no value. He's crippled. Uh, he's a burden. And, and this is how he sees himself. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and he said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to all his house, his family. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, he will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do according to everything that my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Now again, you need to you need to go back to 1 Samuel 20:42 where they make this pact between Jonathan and David where it, where it says the Lord shall be between me and you and between my descendants and yours forever. So now Jonathan's own son Mephibosheth who feels like he has no worthly no worth, no value is now sitting at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Meshivetheth had young son whose name was Micah, and all all who lived in Ziba's house were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table, even though he was lame in both feet. After all of this, after all these accomplishments as a warrior, after fulfilling the anointing placed on him as a boy, tending sheep, becoming king of Israel, David's heart was to show God's goodness to one who represented God's faithfulness to him on his own journey. What an incredible story. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, Jonathan told David, Go in safety, inasmuch as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my descendants and yours forever. If you look at that in the New Living Translation, it said, The Lord is a witness of a bond between us and our children forever. The goodness of God. But man, how, how, I hope you understand the, the power and the significance. As Rhonda shared, what a beautiful message of thanksgiving. And, and as, I, as I looked these notes up and as her and I talked over this message and, and, I, and I, I wrote down these thoughts as I, I pondered through those, those uh, chapters of First and Second Samuel and looking at that story and familiarizing my story once again with, with David's story of triumph through all of that. Now, David's got a whale of a history. <laughs> David's story is, is peaks and valleys, mountaintops and low places. And, and we understand that, that he, he stumbled and he fell. He was, he, he was human. He was as human as any of us. Yet God said he was a man after my own heart. This is why. Because he was, there was such importance that he showed the goodness and the graciousness of God to all who had poured into his life along his own journey. We can learn something from this. We should learn something from this. How our own life, those who have poured into us along our journey, how somewhere in here we, we need to understand and show them the goodness and the graciousness of God in return. 
Maybe it's all you can do is pray over them. Maybe all, all you can do is be nice to them, be a friend to them. Whatever it is, I encourage you to look at those who have been along your life's journey, who have poured into you, who have given to you, who have supported you, who've protected you, who, who've spoken into you. They, they may have stumbled and fell multiple times. You, they, you guys might even been in a fight once or twice. I can think of people like that in my own life. But yet at the same time, I can look back on them and, and, and realize the goodness and the graciousness that they showed me, I want to return to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That God would pour into their lap His provision, His peace, His love, His kindness, and His bounty on all sides. Amen. Today, I want you to consider the goodness of God. How has He been good to you all of these years? That's a great song to listen to while you ponder this message, the goodness of God. Amen. Rhonda and I love you. Thank you so much for following along with us. Thank you so much for partnering with us in this ministry. All of our giving links are on our website, www.livingloudoutdoors.com. They're pinned right to the top of our Facebook page. If you want to support us financially, there's all kinds of ways you can do so. Please continue to pray with us, walk with us on this journey, partnering with us, hand in hand, back to back, side to side, whatever it takes as we go through life's battles together and overcome them all the way to the end. Amen. Rhonda and I love you. God bless you. We will talk to you again real soon.